passion. The definition of passion. Think about that. The definition of passion. Something that stirred so deep. A love for something or someone. Desire that's so strong. Passion. The passion of Christ. writer of Hebrews tells us this I consider as a definition of passion looking on to Jesus the author and finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God passion passion In his presence is fullness of joy. At his right hand are pleasures forevermore. The joy that was set before him was you and me. You and me. You see, because from the beginning of time, God's desire was to dwell with his people. He created everything. He created you and I from the dust of the earth. He created Adam and Eve, and out of them we're here today. Guess what? We're all related. But God's desire was to dwell with his people. And he visited Adam and Eve. He visited Noah. He visited Jacob. God showed up and spoke. But we never really see a place where God dwelled. Until Moses. And God instructed him, we can read in Exodus, all the intricate details of the tabernacle, the temple that he was to build to house the presence of God. 
built it. Every beam, every board, every wall, every length, every cubit, everything in its place, perfect. 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 And there is God in the Holy of Holies. The Ark of the Covenant dwells God. And wherever Moses went, they packed up the temple and they would take God with them and they would reestablish. They would dwell there in his presence. 400 years. That's how God dwelt with his people. They had to go there to be in his presence. But only the priest could truly encounter him. Then here comes David, who builds another temple for the Lord. Again, the presence of God dwelled in the Ark of the Covenant. In the Holy of Holies, they would pick up fire by night, cloud by day, and they would dwell with God. But they had to go where God was. They had to go where God was to encounter him and to hear from him. There had to be a sacrifice. There was a condition on meeting with God. And if they didn't meet those conditions, it could cost them their life. See, Jesus was introduced to us from the beginning. Been revealed to us the whole time. If we stand up here and we preach the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, without getting to Jesus quickly, we're doing a disservice. They would fight over the presence of God. They would war over the presence of God. They would go into battle over the presence of God. You could only enter and commune with the Holy God if you were a priest. Then there's a story in 2 Samuel 6 about them fighting over the presence of God, over the Ark of the Covenant. Here's David. Second Samuel six. 
David gathered all the choice men of Israel, 30,000. David didn't just, I need the intercessory prayer team. I need leadership, pastors. No. David gathered 30,000 men. He arose and he went with all the people. They went to bring up the ark of God, who was called by the name the Lord of hosts. The Lord of hosts. The presence of God. He's the host. He hosts himself. (laughs) You and I don't have to show up to host him. He hosts himself. They set the ark on a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadad, which was on a hill. Uzzah and Ahio the sons of Abinadab drove the new cart. They brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill, accompanying the ark of God. Ohio went before the ark. David and all the house of Israel played music before the Lord on all kinds of um, instruments. And it lists all these things. And when they came to Nashon's threshing floor, Uzzah put out his hand to the ark of God, took hold of it because the oxen stumbled. The cart tilted. He reached out. He tried to save God. Let's keep going. The anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah, and God struck him, therefore, in his air, and he died. David became very angry because of the Lord's outbreak against Uzzah, and he called the name of the place Perez Uzzah to this day. David was afraid of the Lord that day, and he said, How can the ark of the Lord come to me? So David would not have moved. So David would not move the ark of the Lord to him, to the city of David. David took it aside. They took it to the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, for three months. The Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all of his household. Now, here we go. Now, it was told to David he heard hmm. David heard something it was told to him I'm in verse 12 the Lord blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God so David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with gladness there is something going on there David realized the necessity of the presence of God. He realized the necessity of the presence of God. And when it was 
when those bearing the ark of the Lord had gone six paces, he sacrificed oxen and fatted sheep. A little bit different than before. Before David just went and they put the ark on a cart. Listen. First Chronicles 15. The entire passage of First Chronicles 15 talks about David bringing the ark to Jerusalem. David gathered all the men. They assembled together. Hundreds and hundreds. He begins to list off which tribe and who they were and where they're from. He gives specifics here. And listen what he does. He says to them this time, they just put the ark on a cart this time. It says you, he said to them, you are the heads of the fathers' houses of the Levites. Sanctify yourselves, you and your brethren, that you may bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel to the place that I have prepared for it. For because you did not do it the first time, the Lord our God broke out against us because we did not consult him about the proper order. So the priests and the Levites sanctified themselves to bring up the ark of the Lord of Israel. The children of the Levites bore the ark of God on their what? Shoulders. Hmm. By its poles, as Moses had commanded, according to the word of the Lord. Then they began to dance and sing. We were meant to carry the presence of God. We were meant to carry the presence of God. It was never ordained for us just to put it on whatever we wanted to put it on and push it around. The presence of God is not a game. In the presence of God, there is what? Fullness of joy. Pleasures forevermore. David danced before the Lord with all his might. David was wearing a linen ephod. I'm back in 2 Samuel 6, verse 15. David and all the house of Israel brought the ark of the Lord in with shouting with the sound of the trumpet. Now as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael, Saul's daughter, looked through a window and saw King David leaping and whirling before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. You know what's really interesting to me about this passage? 
Michael is David's wife. But this portion of scripture never refers to her as his wife. It refers to her as Saul's daughter continually. What she was before David. Now follow me here. They sat the ark in its place in the midst of the tabernacle that David had erected for it. Then David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And when David had finished offering burnt offerings and peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts. Then he distributed among all the people, among the whole multitude of Israel, both women and the men, to to everyone. How many people did he gather? 30,000? Men. Now we got women and children in the presence of God. There's fullness. In the presence of God, we never go hungry. In the presence of God, we never go thirsty. In the presence of God, there is manna from heaven that will never end. I am the bread of life, says Jesus. Everyone got a loaf of bread, a piece of meat, a cake of raisins. All the people departed to their own house. You might have got a donut this morning. But imagine coming into the presence of God and you leave satisfied like never before. You have the appetizer, you have the entree, and you have the dessert, and you're leaving with a cup to go. He is the Lord of hosts. He hosts his own presence. David returned to bless his household. Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, How glorious was the king of Israel today? I think she might have been a little sarcastic in how she was conversing with him. How glorious are you today, David? Uncovering himself in the eyes of your maids and your servants? How shameful of you. How shameful of you. David said to Michael, It was before the Lord who chose me instead of your father and all of his house to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord, over Israel. Therefore, I will play music before the Lord and I will be even more undignified than this and will be humble in my own sight. But as for the maidservants of whom you have spoken by them, I will be held in honor. David took off his garments because he was in the presence of God. David said, the Lord of hosts, who am I? Who am I 
in the presence of God, there are no titles. In the presence of God, there are no conditions. In the presence of God, there is no shame. In the presence of God, your past is not remembered. In the presence of God, your pain has a purpose. In the presence of God, there's fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. In the presence of God, there's passion. Passion. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. despised the shame and sat down at the right hand of God. was still there in the Ark of the Covenant. He was still there in the city of David in the temple. Mankind, we were still flawed. Still only the priest could commune with God. But here something begins to shift. This moment here, something begins to shift where there's now worship in the presence of God that wasn't before. Shameless, passionate worship desperate for you and he's so desperate for me to stand in his presence without shame without fear with such passion knowing that the trail behind us 
might have cost us some blood, some sweat, and some tears. Knowing that you might be seated in this place today. And the moment up until this point was painful, cost you something. God's desire is for you to be and dwell in his presence. He desired it so much. He said that my word will become flesh and dwell among you. I will send myself through a virgin. Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus, in him dwelt the fullness of God. He was the temple of God on earth and everywhere Jesus went. The presence of God was there. But it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. Jesus said, I have to go to my father. I have to go to my father. I have to go to my father. But what did he say? You will kill me. In this temple, I will raise again in three days. And then it ends right here like this. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin that easily ensnares us. Let us run with the endurance, the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You and I were the joy that was set before him. The plan from the beginning of the Garden of Eden was for God to dwell with his people. And we see God dwell. He comes down and dwells and then he leaves. He speaks in visions. 
And then that's it. Then he dwells in the tabernacle and they carry him with them everywhere we go. And in order to get into the presence of God, you have to go find it. But you also have to be worthy to stand in his presence and commune with him. You also had to obey and follow every condition or it could cost you your life. John 4. John 4. start at verse 7. A woman of Samaria came to drink water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. I have a whole new revelation of this. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. He was prophesying over her. He was prophesying over her, give me a drink. You, the adulterous lady, you, the lady full of sin and shame, guilt, regret. Lady, you, give me a drink. For the joy set before him. In her would dwell his presence. Listen. His disciples had gone away to buy food. The woman of Samaria said, How is that, you being a Jew, ask me for a drink? Oh. The presence of God had conditions until Jesus stepped in and became the presence of God then for the joy set before him he poured out his spirit now you and I are a temple of the Holy Spirit you and I are now the place where God dwells listen How is it that you being a Jew are asking me for a drink? The Jews don't deal with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me the drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said, Sir, I have nothing to draw with. The well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never thirst. But the water that I give 
will come from him a fountain of water springing up to everlasting life. The woman said, Sir, give me this water. Give me this water that I may not thirst, nor have to come to a place where God doesn't dwell any longer. Mm. Jesus said, call your husband and come here. He calls her shame and he calls her sin into his presence. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. In the presence of God, there is no dishonesty. But there also is no shame. Jesus said to her, You have well said I have no husband, for you have had five, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. Is that what you spoke really true? Is what you said really true? in the presence of God. She said, you must be a prophet. You know what she said? Let me demonstrate it for you. The presence of God is here. The presence of God is here. When I am no longer ashamed of the things that I carry, the things that I've done, the places that I've been, the life that I lived, when I stand in the presence of a holy God, all shame is despised. It was nailed to the cross for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising your shame and my shame he took it he took it he took it she said to him our fathers worshiped on this mountain and you Jews say that in Jerusalem that is the place where one ought to worship Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. Jesus is saying, I have come to save you. You're in my presence. But the hour is coming, and now is. Now is is when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth.
for the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit. You notice how it doesn't say God is a spirit or the spirit. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The Lord dwelt in things built by man for so long, desiring the hearts of his people. But people continued to go in their direction of their flesh, in their selfishness, in their desires. Yet the Lord kept establishing himself in his presence, in meeting with his people based on conditions. Today, you and I, because of the joy set before him, are a temple of the Holy Spirit. Today, God dwells in you and he dwells in me. Today, there's something different that we have to see. Where before, when they would pray, they would journey to Jerusalem. They would make that journey. We also see where the woman at the well says, but they would also turn and pray in the direction of Jerusalem. Today, can I tell you that Jesus made that journey for you? So that you, without condition, without perfection can dwell in his presence. You can dwell in his presence. You can be unashamed in his presence. You can be satisfied in his presence. You can partake of the bread of life in his presence. You can be so filled, you will never hunger or thirst again. You will hunger and thirst for righteousness in his presence. Today, you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. David said, I will be even more undignified than this. Michael, again, the third reference in this passage. Michael, the daughter of Saul, had no children till the day of her death. created to worship a holy God 
We were created to host his presence. We were created to dwell in the hosting of his presence. I wonder today how many of us sit outside looking in wondering really her do you know where she's been him do you know what he did to his family her do you know her past that you can't be doing that in the presence of God I wonder how many of us stand out here looking in questioning how someone else can be so undignified presence of God at the same time I wonder how many of us can stand afar and look in and desire what we see but never ourselves want to partake of it never ourselves want to move a step forward Never ourselves want to begin to experience and encounter the fullness of God. We stand afar off thinking if God is really that big, he will come and meet me here. Can I tell you today that he's been that big since the Garden of Eden. He's been that big since the Tabernacle of Moses. He's been that big since David carried him into the city of David. And it wasn't good enough for a holy God because he said, I need to be big enough that I am omnipresent in the entire world. I need to be big enough that I can dwell in all of my people and that my presence, the hosting of my presence is throughout the entire world. You no longer have to come and find the presence of God. The word was made flesh and dwelt among you. And for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Today, today, you host the presence of God. Today, I host the presence of God. We can no longer live in the world and the culture that we live in and stand outside and look in and not only judge others, but what would they have? And think God's a genie in a bottle and he's going to come and find us and meet us. No. He did his part. It cost a man his life. Blood that was spilt, that's still pouring out of Emmanuel's veins because he is God who is with us. I need the presence of God. You need 
the presence of God. When we play games with the presence of God, might cost us something. Might cost us something when we try to push God around on a cart and put him where we want to put him in our life. Put him in the closet. Don't let him come in here. It didn't get anyone anywhere. The presence of God was meant to dwell in your fullness. First Corinthians three. Verse 10, according to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, aren't you thankful today who our builder is? I have laid the foundation and another builds on it, but let each one take heed to how he builds. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. You will never host the presence of God if you do not stand on the rock of salvation. Pure, holy, undefiled, unadulterated presence of God will only stand on the rock. A firm foundation, the rock of salvation. If anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire. The fire will test each one's work of what it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. You can't play church, and you can't play the presence of God. He's an all-consuming fire. He's not angry towards us. He's loving. Because there was a choice set before him. And his desire today is holy fire. Holy fire. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved yet so as through fire. Do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him, for the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. First Corinthians 6. Verse 18, flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does 
is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? Who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? You were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. First Peter two. Verse four. Coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You are the chosen one. You also, as living stones, are building up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Skip down to verse 9, 2 Peter verse, chapter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. Jesus stepped in and paid your condition to enter the Holy of Holies. Today, the veil is torn you may dwell in the presence of God. You are considered a royal priest. Royal priesthood. Holy nation. You are a holy nation. The pursuit of of finding God in the tabernacle is over. He now dwells in us. I and you are a holy nation. Special people that you may proclaim 
the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Who once were not a people, but now are a people of God. Before, we were called strangers, aliens in a place. But now, we are the people of God because he dwells in us. We had not obtained mercy. Now, we obtain mercy. This morning, Spirit, do not defile the very thing that holds the presence of God. Yet at the same time, this morning in the presence of God, I want you to come without fear, without shame, undignified. Because the reality is, is that Jesus paid the price. That your sins and your shame, your begging at the well, has been cast as far as the east is from the west. And he remembers it no more. 